Welcome to the According to Sources podcast. I am your host, Andre Williams. And we, you know, we're taking a little trip around the country. We've had two Baltimore artists over the last two podcasts. And this week we have a really special guest from out west, our boy, our man, Glasses Malone. How you doing, man? I'm cooling, man. It's over here trying to survive all this BS, man. What's happening? Man, we doing the same thing over here. My boy, my boy Chris, he up in, he in Chicago. We both from Chicago. Um, I'm just going to jump straight to it. Chris, say hello to the people. Say hello to the people. What's going on, people? How you doing, G, bro? I'm cooling, man. How you doing? Man, just trying to take one day at a time. You know how it is. Ah, man, there you go. That's all you got to do. That's all we can do. For real, for real, you know. But um, you want to go ahead, Dre? Yeah, we're going we gonna to get right into it. I got a couple of questions. Uh, the first question is like, so I think like me and you, we're around the same age. I believe you're 40. Yeah. I'm 37. Um, so when we were growing up, like I'm from Chicago, and I think like two of the biggest gang cultures in America, L.A., Chicago. And I know yeah, that, you know, growing up, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, definitely from an urban perspective. Yeah, from an urban perspective. Um, growing up in L.A. in a time that we grew up, you know, early 80s, late 80s, early 90s is when, you know, gang culture was really booming. Sure. How did that, how did that um, influence you uh, as you were growing up? Like, how did it, like, like it molded? Because I know it molded me growing up in Chicago. How yeah. did it mold you as you were growing up? I just really think I looked at it as culture. You know, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I looked at it the same way as everybody else did. Um, I looked at the clothes as part of Los Angeles culture when you come up, you know, when poor people come up at where we from. So I don't think I really looked at it like this very general idea of gangs. You know what I mean? It was, mm -hmm. I grew up in two neighborhoods. My mom lived in the Cajun block, you know what I'm saying? And my dad lived in my neighborhood, which, you know, was 117th Street in Watts. Um, they just your friends, you know what I mean? I don't think you really, um, I had this conversation with Van Lathan. I don't think you really look at it like that until you looking from, like, till you grow up and you look from the outside looking in like, oh, shit. I see what everything is. It's different when you're, when you're in it. And then when you grow up, you have your kids, you have a wife, you have a home of your own, and you do look back on it. It's just a little bit different the way that you can look back on it now as opposed to when you were, you know, 17, 18 years old. Because those were just your friends, and you guys were just growing up. You were just living life, and that was pretty much all you were doing. But as people would look at you from the outside looking in, it was a completely different thing. But is where you get the, you know, uh, the idea of, of gang culture, uh, you know, as a, as a whole as a whole idea, where people will look at it. Go ahead, go ahead. I don't even prefer to call it gang culture. I prefer I agree. to call it urban culture. You know what I mean? It just depends on which part of urban America you grow up in, because the, the gang part of it really ain't really different for nobody you know um i don't think gang culture really care i mean maybe your preference of a of a color or something but for the mm -hmm. most part everybody in urban america from watts pretty much or compton is on the same page whether or not you in the gang or not you feel me? it's the same story everybody pretty much dresses the same you know the, the dress code is pretty much the same all over mm-hmm so that you you just brought something up that I kind of wanted to that that led into my next question. Now, you you grew up you you were you were a crip. Hold that thought. Hold, on, hold, that thought. hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Take your time. 
Hey, Chris. Yeah. About, I'm, I'm going to ask about the signing with um, uh, Black Wall Street. Okay. Yeah, I'm back. Go ahead. I'm sorry about that. Oh no, you good, man. I'm gonna keep the whole thing. It's all good. So, you 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 grew up around Crips. You are, are you a Crip? I'm from 17th Street. Yeah. Okay. Now you you signed with Game and Black Wall Street. Yeah, Face gave me my start. Face and Game, Big Face Hundred and and the Game gave me my start. G Ride, Big Face Hundred, the Game. Well, actually, what's funny is. My older brother Pooh, right, is a brim, and he managed me for the whole beginning of my career. Um, the way I linked with Cash Money, I, I met uh, Tone, Black Tone from from Village Town, Rest in Peace, who was my brother-in-law's. His, it was his best friend. He was a blood. He linked me with Four Cent, uh, Billboard, who used to be with Game, Rest in Peace, Billboard. He's from Westside Paru. I went to their neighborhood, so that's a blood. And they introduced me to Face and Game, who pretty much got my career started. And they both bloods. Now, if somebody from the outside would be, or, you know, they're listening to the story, the assumption is just like, okay, that's blood, you crip, how? How does yeah, that link? That's actually, again, like I said, I, that's why I don't like the concept of game mm -hmm. culture as the narrative. I, just want, I want you to break it down for people who don't know. It's, it's, again, because for years it's been, it may have been like that early on in, in like before I was ever born, but since I've been off the porch, you know, you start talking about 92, 93 off the porch, you know what I'm saying? It's not been like that. It's, it's I mean, you still beef with gangs, but pretty much every gang is its own neighborhood. I mean, just because somebody's a crip, like our most worst rivals, you know, if you're from, let's say, if you're from um, 60s, your worst enemy is A-Trey. That's another crip gang. If you're from Hoover, your worst enemies is probably going to be, depends on which Hoover, but overall, the East Coast, that's another crip gang. I grew up my whole life beefing with other crips. So I think the, the concept of Crip and Blood is an antiquated one. Um, I think it's just per neighborhood, you know what I'm saying? I think that would be more of a fair analysis. So let me so, ask you this. Would you equate it to kind of like the way people have used uh, black on black crime? You just gonna be in, into it with whoever you are around. If you're around some, if you like, if you're all you're around is Crips, the odds are that's who you're going to be into it with. Yeah, it's because like, you're all fighting on. What are you fighting over? Resources. Yeah. And when you in the and you in the hood, like in urban culture and in the poorest places, it's limited resources. So it's limited territory for you to sell drugs. You know what I'm saying? You got this many streets. It's limited McDonald's. It's limited places. It's limited schools. It's limited resources, and most of the fights are over resources. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's what we fight over. We ain't just fighting over because I live here and you live here. Mm -hmm. We fight over something that went wrong because we were sharing something and something bad happened. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that you're breaking it down like that. Go ahead, Chris. So as far as music, um, Beach Cruiser was your debut album, and it was supposed to drop in 2007. But you swept labels, and uh, it was released in 2011 on your own label, uh, Blue Division Music, instead. How was that process, and how did you define the start of your, um, as far as your albums and your career? Um, I didn't catch the second question, but 
the first question was um it was um I had it ready by 2008. Um, it was a bit nerve-wracking, you know, trying to get it out. It was, it was really hard, you know, but you got to have a hit record to get an album out. You know what I mean? At that time, you did. Now, today, you can just drop an album. But at wow. that time, with a major label, I was with Universal Motown through Cash Money Records. You have to have a hit record to properly launch an album. That's how they're marketing. Um, I liken it to an electric car wash, like an automatic car wash. Um, the brushes only go so far down and the brushes only go so far up. So mm -hmm. the way it's set up, it's set up for a specific kind of car to drive through and wash the car completely. So if you come through there in a Lamborghini, maybe the bottom of your Lamborghini never touches, you know, the brushes and don't get washed. If you come through in a Silverado lifted up with a six inch lift and 37 inch Toyota tires, maybe the <laughs> Maybe the top of your truck never sees sub. Mm -hmm. So when you would imagine record label, they promote albums around records. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a hit record, you know, it's hard for them to launch your album. That's how they set their marketing strategy up. Okay. And I didn't know that at that time. So being ignorant is very frustrating for me because you don't know why you can't get the album out. You don't know why it's not coming out. All you know is they keep putting out songs trying to get them to perform before they launch an album. Now that I've been around the business and I've studied marketing, it makes sense. I feel that. Yeah, I think that's, um, as far as releasing music and the um, distribution of it part, I don't think people really understand how much goes into it. Yeah. You know, it's not just the booth and recording, okay, bam, we click a button, upload this on the internet. That's not how it works anymore. Well, that's how it works it's today. Definitely not how it works anymore. Today, but that's how, it didn't use. That's to not work. how it used to work. It didn't used to work like that. Now somebody, it's easier to put your music out. Yeah, when somebody was committing a quarter million dollar uh, album budget, you know, they expected you to have a record to perform, right? To recoup mm -hmm. that. That's how their marketing strategy is set up. Yeah, they're trying to recoup that money that they that they put into you, and they're hoping that you can get that one to pop. I truly believe that they're they're profiting. They need to profit like four times to one. So singles make more sense on a profit mirror. They don't mm -hmm. really try to profit off of albums. Okay. It becomes like extra money after you've had a hit record. So I think that's why they tried, that's why they used to try to leave with a hit record. That's why some of the better artists you like, you know, go independent because they can't come up with records anymore. And the ones who stay down with labels the longest, like a Drake, keep coming out with records that are performing at the highest level when it comes to charting and, and, and selling top. So which, which, you know, what part, like which type of industry have you, have you, you like more? Do you like the old way or do you like the way that you can just put your own music out now? It's easily, and you know, you just put it out however you want to. It's like, it's your machine instead of working with one. Uh, well, the only thing I didn't like about the old way is I wasn't informed on what it took. Mm-hmm. I was ignorant. So I would much rather be signed to a record label and understanding that my job is to deliver a record at that time than now where you actually have to market a record yourself or market an album yourself. So yes, in theory, I could put out an album much faster, but in reality, nobody knows it's out because it's not going to be marketed as well as, let's say, Motown, Cash Money, Universal Records could have marketed at that time. It's okay. a 
the bank. Like my bankroll ain't nowhere close to their bankroll. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that they would market it out of their money and true, like I may only got a let's say a dollar twenty out of ten dollars, you know, which is good, but I didn't have to spend any money. I just wish I was informed at that time, educated at that time on what it took to get the album out. Okay. Well, you you said something about um not knowing. You had a track that everybody knew about mm-hmm. last year. Sure, sure, the, sure. the Pac track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tupac must die. Tupac must die. Yeah. That's now, three that's three and a half years of learning marketing and understanding. What's funny is that's not for the art. That's just for people to know it existed. Like Yeah. Everybody knew that existed. Now I got <laughs> my, my boy, my boy out in LA, he wanted me to ask you a couple questions. Mm-hmm. He wanted me to ask you when you were released that track, what was the temperature in LA? Not literal. You know what I mean? Like for me? Yeah, like how like how did it feel when you released that? And I'm sure you got energy. You got energy from everywhere. Like what? Like the, people didn't even hear the song; they just read the name. So I sure. know people. So the the, the energy so, had to be different. Are we talking about real energy? Or are we talking about like, like any like anything? Like all of it. I want well, like the, all of the it. phone calls were unique. The, the 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 DMs could be a bit unique. In real traffic, mm-hmm. no energy at all. Like, of course not. No. Now, real people, because real people know the conversation and they understand the point of the song. Um, so when you say the energy in LA, um, it was a little funny for certain people, like certain homies. But they my homies. You feel me? I love them. So it's gonna yeah. be and if, if you know if it bled over, we are gonna do what we do. But it, it really wasn't no energy like that. It was more or less like, damn, I can't believe this nigga did this. <laughs> So you're saying that you you want to you just put it out there so that they so that you can get that traction. What's funny is now nah, like like my goal is to make dope ass art. And I just don't do like that. my art being ignored. So mm. honestly, I could have put the track out and the track could have been ignored. Um, me understanding marketing really the tweet became the marketing yeah part of the track. It, the track itself would have just came and went, but the way I maneuvered the tweet and allowed the tweet to make sense to people and then brought it, you know, brought it into light. That became the marketing. My goal with music at this point is period is I don't want to put out music that goes ignored. At least I want to be judged for it. So whether it's Tupac must die and everybody hate it or half the people love it and half the people hate it, that's fine. As long as everyone knows the it's artist. There. Yeah, that's what Chris, Chris no was actually saying that. Yeah, it makes no sense for me to yeah. get this game and, and give this kind of information and people miss it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 real, like fucked up. So Chris was actually talking about the tweet, and I was I was wondering like how did the process go? Like I know a lot of rappers they don't write, you know, quote unquote. They go in the booth, they spitting. How did that? Like how did you put that together? That like that 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 art right there. How did you put it together? I mean, I don't know what don't write. I don't write stuff down on paper. I just don't smoke weed so I can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> when I say I don't write, that don't mean like I literally don't think. I don't freestyle songs. I just put them together in my head. Like I knew, so that idea came from a TV show I was writing called Two Sides. Um, I had wrote this 12 episode idea that I wanted to shoot. And over the last three and a half years, probably from 2016 to 2000. 19, I just was studying marketing, having a lot of conversations. And 
getting down to the essence of what hip hop represent, honestly, mm. you know what I mean, became like paramount for me. Understanding what made corporate America get involved with hip hop. And it was because the messaging, right, what it represented, the underground take. It wasn't the mainstream conversation. It was the first time you ever heard a woman being called a bitch on vinyl. Hip hop gave you that. That was a conversation in itself. The first time you heard someone say fuck the police came through hip hop. The first time you knew things were fucked up and we wasn't happy with it came through hip hop. You know, hip hop delivered these real underground narratives about mainstream things. It told you what we thought in our communities about something that mainstream had an opinion about. So if it was the police, mainstream's opinion was, oh, they're the heroes. They get the cats out the trees. They protect us from bad guys. But hip hop's perspective was, yo, fuck them. They terrorize us. They, they, they racially profile us. They do bad things to us. Um, mainstream, you know, women are cherished and they're the greatest things. They're, they're not bad. They're above reproach. Hip hop too short is like, fuck this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying so getting down to the essence of what hip hop represented, like that's how that song became what it was. It was like, yo, I need to find something that mainstream knows about, but then I need to give the urban perspective of how things go with it. Okay. And that just was something I wrote for something else and I turned it into a rap record, which why it wasn't a great record. It was a good song. Yeah. It was a A1 video. The marketing was A1, you know what I mean? But the record itself, the playability of it, the repeatability, it wasn't great because it was a bigger idea that I yeah. shrunk down into a record. Okay. So if you listen to it, it's it's like, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's an MC appeal there. It's a song appeal there, but it's not catchy. It's not regulated. It's not today was a good day. And that's still the job when you make records is to make the best records. Yeah. You want to make a bop. You want people to. Yeah. Even if it's informing you, like, like I said, today was a good day. Regulate. Uh, Back in the day, it's a lot of great story yeah. records. I swear, people don't even realize what Regulate was about. Like, if the people were like, people always dancing to it and jive, you know, they bopping yeah. with it. But if you listen to the words, like, he's killing people. These people are getting robbed. Like, it's all kinds of stuff going on. The yeah, part is, hip-hop rarely... Hip-hop has went away from painting itself as victims. Hip-hop has become the aggressor for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Public Enemy since then is the aggressor. So regulate is a song where someone's a victim and their friend comes and saves their life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, it inspired a song I put out actually. You know, I mean, that I put together for the new project where it's like, y'all need to make a song talk about times where I like, I marked out, like I, I got on, like it was crazy. I was at a dice game and I was winning a dice game and I seen niggas start plotting on me. So, you know, the gangster thing would be like, I'm gonna shoot all of these niggas. But the reality thing, cause it was based on a true story was I'm gonna take this 40,000 and get on. You know what they remind me of? They remind yeah. me of uh, Big L. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Son of a Dice Game. Big L had a track out back in like 1999. You know, right? You know, when he passed on uh, on the big picture, he had a he had a song kind of like that. Yeah, and I just I felt like, you know, but back to the point. That was the whole idea was to educate people on gang culture. Like, Tupac Must Die is so rich. While it's not a great record, it's an average record, it is probably the most insightful record you ever get on gangbanging. Nobody 
Like you gotta go ice cube to find as much insight onto the mentality of what niggas be thinking when they doing what they doing. Mm. Yeah, I definitely need to say that. Like um, people think it's this level of just serious aggression and it's really like, no, nah, shame, it's embarrassment, it's- It's a lot more to it. You know, what is everybody gonna think of me? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot <laughs> yeah. of that that's propelling it. So this album that you're working on, um, what's the concept behind it? It's called LA Nights. It's, it's, um, I want you to, if you've never been to LA, I want this album, when you put it in, I want it to be everything you think of LA. You know what I mean? If you're not from here. So I want you to hear it and be like, oh, this is what LA is supposed to sound like, and I want to visit it. Or if you're from LA, it's like, or you visited, you're like, oh, that's really how we be going down. But if you're from LA, it's like a proud moment where you're like, yeah, this is how I feel. So it's a combination of vintage Los Angeles and modern Los Angeles, you know what I mean? Topics is it's wide array. Like I said, it's a song where I'm talking about, feel me, where I'm like, let me get out of the way. You know, like I'm winning. I'm, I'm at a girl house sleeping with a girl and it's in the blood neighborhood and their brother come home and they finna kill me. I got to get on. Like regular life shit that happened to us in LA. If you yeah. So as far as the album itself, you say you want it to feel like you've been, at, you've been, you've gone to LA, you know, you've never been there for those that haven't been. A lot of people haven't been and all they see is what they see in the movies and on TV. How would you describe it to somebody that hasn't been there besides the album? And how are you using that as, as a um, tool? Uh, so it, it's really, this whole situation with COVID-19 mm-hmm. has made me miss the things that we love about LA. And more than anything, like I say, I think when people think of Glasses Malone, if you ever heard the name, you automatically think of West Coast. And I think my whole career, even Beach Cruiser, yeah, it's not really that West Coast. It has touches of West Coast, but certified haters, a lot of different joints make mm-hmm. it more like a, a global reach. I mean, a, a national reach. And it's like, look, fuck all that. Like, everybody know I'm from L.A. Let me take you to L.A. Like, no, let me take you to L.A. You ain't been to this L.A. in a long time. Like, you ain't been to this L.A. probably since Snoop and Dre took you there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to bring you back to L.A. like Snoop and Dre. When they brought you to L.A., I'm going to take you to that L.A. But I'm not going to just make it the party, you know. I'm going to show you a lot of the stuff that we appreciated here, from the visuals on down to the music. So who, who, who are your, um, your influences, you know? L.A., outside of L.A., who influenced you in the rap game? You know, like, Scarface. I want to do that. Scarface, number one is Scarface. Feel me? Start right there. Um, Jay-Z, obviously. Beans. Everybody gotta love Beans is so slept on. It don't yeah, make it man. What's funny is man, like outside of West Coast, it's just it's it's like I listen to I probably listen to more Scarface than probably everybody but Snoop Dogg. Jay-Z the same way. So Scarface probably is my biggest influence, which is why my music probably has such a southern undertone initially for the first few years. Okay. Plus, I'm from Watts. It's real bluesy. Shit is fucked up. You know what I mean? It's real dark and and, and all of that. Hmm. So Watts and Compton is about three miles apart. Which one did you spend the most time growing up in? Equal. 
They, really? They're not three miles apart. They're literally separated by border. They're, they're neighboring communities. Like they're three minutes from each other, but like they're neighboring communities. So, you know, it's a five minute drive in the watch. As soon as you drive five minutes, um, if you in the center of Compton where I grew up at, you drive five or six minutes uh, north on Wilmington and you in Watts. So I probably must, I spent pretty much equal amount of time in both places. Okay. Um, in 2014, Young Thug was seen uh, throwing up the set in Days Off's uh, video titled Blood. Uh, you took issue with it and you addressed it on Instagram. You know, to my age group, you know, someone that is 40 plus is considered an OG. What do you have to say to people that take um, our culture and find it on social media as a trend, even though they've never really been in that life? Um, I don't think I really, I didn't really care about him throwing up blood or I don't really give a fuck which rappers want to be gangbanging. One thing we ain't going to do is disrespect. And in that video specifically, he threw up a middle finger to a C. Yeah. But if you don't got rappers in LA that's bloods doing that, for damn sure, it ain't going to be no nigga from nowhere else doing that. You feel me? So that was my issue. And it's like, like I said, the dude fucked with Nip. He fucked with certain homies, you feel me, from around the way. And it's like, you disrespecting everybody doing that. Like, so I don't give a fuck if nobody else say nothing. Like, nigga, I'm going to let you know you're wrong. And no, I'm not trying to be cool with you. No, nah, I ain't tripping with you. No, nah, I don't want to be your homie. None of that. I'll just let you know, like, nigga, don't disrespect because this shit come with consequences. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand you You don't know. Like, what's fucked up if it was somebody from here when nobody gave him no pass? We only gave the nigga a pass because he, he wasn't from there. Because he wasn't from there. Because anybody yeah, else should know better. Don't understand. Exactly. Maybe you don't understand what you're doing. So... This your warning. You know what I'm Don't do that. So, so like for people, here, they would have got hurt. So for people like from Chicago, like we're from Chicago, like if you in Chicago and you got your hat broke off and you're not from Chicago, the odds are someone's gonna you gonna you gonna be you gonna you gonna hear about it. Somebody gonna come. <laughs> to you. you can't have your hat broke off a certain way in a certain neighborhood in Chicago. Look That's like he did somebody in a fucking record. That motherfucker was dead in no time. That was it. It doesn't take Honestly. anything, especially well, for these What's crazy is our cultures go so hard on each other, feel me? But then an out of town nigga, like you have another nigga saying, like, like the little rat boy dissing a neighborhood in Chicago, and we'll give him a pass, like not a pass because yeah. it, it's a complexity about getting with the person. But we also know they game goofy. But anybody that's that's know what's going on, you feel me? Immediately pay an ultimate price. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I like how I like how you put it, the rap boy. I like that because that's what he is. I like. Yeah. I don't really have nothing bad about dude. You feel me? I, I I like some of his songs. I didn't really even get in the whole hate train with dude before that. And everybody I did. I dig some of his songs too. But like you said, when he came, when he came to Old Block and acted like he was out there in the mid of the day, he was out there at three o'clock in the morning, four in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, 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 and trying to act like I don't like that because that's where I'm from. But I'm also 37 years old, so it's like. It's nothing I'm gonna do, but I definitely didn't like it. Um, you brought up Nip, and you know, everybody, you know, everybody felt that. Um, a little bit of him was in everybody, and I think they realized it. When he, you were able to see all his body of content, his thought, and everybody could find something about him that fit him. He was a really good man. He was a no, really special the, guy. The thing that hurt me the most about that is that he was literally having the best year of his life. Literally. Like, sure. as far as music goes. I mean, okay. I didn't know the brother. 
So I don't know if he, you know, had anything, had the rest of his life, anything, but like musically, he was he was up next. That was it. That album, Victory Lap, was the album that was gonna be like, now he's gone. And that's what hurt me the most because like I've been following Nip probably for about four years, four or five years. I started getting, you know, getting into his old stuff, Slawson Boys, all of that. And when this album came out, I'm like, holy shit, he got it. He got it now. Like that was the uh, like that was the perfect mix of his sound and his maturation as like a man. And he put it together perfectly. And it like it hurt when he was, you know, when it, when we he was taken from us. So for you personally, I don't know if you knew the you knew the brother or not or how well you knew him. It's my guy. That's your guy. How did that affect you? Musically, like and like how did like I don't even want to do music no more. Cause I know a lot of people when it happens like that, they don't want to continue to do what they're doing. They take a little hiatus. How did it affect you? And um what's funny is I didn't think I I didn't know if I thought about changing my mind about putting out the song because I didn't want people to relate it to his conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't want people to talk about that topic, those two together, because every situation ain't the same. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what happened in that situation. Like, I don't know what happened with girls and shit. I don't really know the truth. Like, I know a general idea of what they say happened. Yeah. But it's music that I could never put out with him. You know what I'm saying? It'll never come out because it don't feel right without him here. Uh, um, more than anything, you know, as sad as it is, not being able to call him or see him across town or run up, you know, catch up with him and bullshit, to watch him get the love is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That's like, I'm so happy for his legacy. I'm so, like, I know he know what's going on. I'm so happy that he got this. You know what I mean? I'm so happy people know about what he was because he's one of those guys worthy of knowing. Like he, his, 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 like, man, he was a really special dude. He, was a he special had a plan. He had, yeah. a, he had a legitimate plan of things that he wanted to do. And I think he was about to get the financial backing that he needed to go further in everything that he wanted to do. I don't even know where it said it was going to be because, man, I was, you got to remember, man, I met this dude, right? He, um, side of all of us, I'm older. I jumped off the porch later with rap, but I also jumped off a little faster. I remember meeting him at the shopping center where he eventually bought the fucking shopping center, right? Really? So, so this is 2008, you know I mean? Seven, maybe eight. I pull up over there in this neighborhood, right? Everybody, you know, worldwide 60s, they, you know, but... I'm from the East Side, so our attitude is different. Like we we go, I go wherever in the city. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I got, you know, it's good. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. But I remember him talking to him on the phone. And he like, yeah, I'm over here, you know, behind a gas station on Slauson and Chris Shaw, blah, blah, something, something. I'm like, I'm gonna come pull up on you. You know, my boy Trip Charlie linked me, if I remember correctly. And we chopping it up. So I go pull up on him, he with his homies, and I jump out the Bentley solo. Feel me? And we politicking in a shopping center that this motherfucker eventually owned. Damn. You know how ill that is, you feel me? They just had to make you proud. That was the whole goal. I'm gonna buy this motherfucker. Like it wasn't even, so when people talk about these bigger dreams, to me what I remember is him wanting to buy this shopping center. And then doing it. It wasn't about, I'm gonna be the best rapper or (laughs) I'm gonna be the number one rapper in the game or I'm going platinum. It's like, no, cause I'm gonna buy this shopping center cause I'm good. And he did that shit. That's it. 
Yeah. So I, I before you had a story in that motherfucker, it was just where they was at. They even have a store yet. They even leased a store at that point. And Sam and, and to watch them do that dog in 10 years to get that motherfucker. He got that motherfucker. And he's a he was a he's a he's an inspiration. Like definitely. And I know a lot of people, you know how you know how the you know how the internet is. It's like, well, I don't even know who Nip who, I don't even know who Nipsey. Well, that's on you. Oh man. You know, that's on you that you didn't know. Because honestly, I knew about Nip before I knew about him rapping, to be honest with you. Sure, I man. heard about like his brand is like that. My yeah, dad, I, my dad, he came by the house before, right? My dad stayed on the west side, not too far from where they at. They neighborhood where he grew up at. And my dad stay in Lamert. And I'm talking to him and he's like, I'm gonna come pull up on you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in Lamert. So he pull up to Pop's house and they not even tripping off who this man is, right? They, you know, cause cool dude, he, a gangbanger, you know what I mean? He's a cool yeah. guy. We laughing and joking and shit. Dad walked past him, say what up to me. He say, don't even pay no attention who the fuck it is. When he died and about two days later, my dad was like, Man, that was a good guy. And I'm just laughing to myself, like, man, his spirit is free to roam and just really, just really get into everybody. And you could just, it's amazing to see, man. I, at the same time, I hate he's not here to really feel it himself and get it. So I could see him get it. I'm happy that he got it anyway. It's like Kendrick, same thing with Doc. You know what I mean? Doc, yeah. I've been knowing Doc since he was in fucking high school. Feel me? When he first signed the TDE, when he was a rapper, he was just this little, Dude, and real cool, smooth little dude, and he could rap his ass off then, you know, and being on tour and, and chilling with him and jumping on projects and having him get on projects. And, you know, same thing with OT Genesis, you know what I'm saying? Watching him make certain songs and perform songs in clubs and to watch a generation of artists reestablish West Coast hip hop, you know, and, and J Rock, you know, we shared a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? Like our journey was the same journey. And then to yeah. feel do this plaque and it's amazing you know what i'm saying like it's, it's like I, I couldn't even really explain even top the dude who runs they label i watched him like for years and years people not give him a break and him stick it out with the same team you know what i'm saying with Q, look at them with dot you feel me and with j-rock it's like amazing to see it and it worked and then to watch punch right now like start his career and he was a dope rapper the first day so like my whole class of niggas is rising you know, Nip Rose, you know what I'm saying? Um, Dot is the man, you feel me? J-Rock Rose, Q yeah. is good, Soul is good. Um, you know, it's, it's problem, you know what I'm saying? It's so many dudes that, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's... And it's all love for each other, man. That's the most part, that's the part I think people don't really get. Like, all, ain't, ain't all, no beefing, man, with L1. Yeah, but our group is like that. Because our group was really all authentic, you know. We really seen each other. Like I, like when I say live my partner, like I really fucked with him. Like we went to his hood. Feel me? Problem. When I say I really fuck with problem, problem used to live in a house in Compton. You feel me? That was crazy. Like I went to his house and did his first feature. When I first fucked with Nip and I got down him, I went to his hood. You feel me? Jumped out on him solo. You feel me? Dot. I put Dot on his first songs. You feel me? Some of the songs that other people didn't. Um. J-Rock, we started our careers together. We was rapping on each other's shit all the time, going, we was together on different parties. I remember not going into parties because they wouldn't let him in because he was a blood. And I remember not going into parties. 
Swear. I'm like, yo, y'all not gonna let cousin in, and I'm not coming in. So to watch this shit happen, I'm saying is amazing. Like it's it's like I'm not bullshit when I say it's surreal. You know, I can't do nothing but smile and put the pressure on myself. And I thank God for little dudes like Ty Dollar Sign, you know what I'm saying? And dudes like that who still inspire me and still be like, gee, man, what are we doing? Like they still want me to get mines. And like you ain't got yours yet. Like, like we gonna get yours. That's dope, man. For real. You know, it's it's refreshing to hear that because the culture of rap nowadays is the exact polar opposite of what you just said. I mean, I, I, I like to believe that, you know, when I look at the stuff that Thug and them is doing with they homies, with Young Thug doing with they homies, that they trying. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I believe they're trying. I mean, I, again, our bond is different. Nipsey really from 60s. J-Rock really from Bonnie Hunter. Doc really grew up in Compton in the West. Glass is really from the set. I mean, Problem really grew up in, like, we're really authentically ourselves. And we, was our, we seen each other as ourselves the first day. We didn't just meet each other at a show. You know what I mean? We, we all at these new shows coming up together. No, we really met each other in the trenches. Like, we met each other. Like I said, I hadn't heard one Nip song when I pulled up on him. I just knew he rapped. And I was like, I fucked with him because his attitude was so fucking cold. He was so player about everything. And, you know, J-Rock, I met him through Top. And, you know, he recording. And I go to his studio and I go fuck with him. And we would just compete and try to get better. And, you know, to watch him thug it out, like, and then, like, overcome it. Like, y'all don't know how refreshing. Like, same thing with Problem. Like, you know, it's, it's it. I don't know. Like I said, our bond is deeper. You know, at least my bond with all of them is deeper. You know what I'm saying? It's deeper, special. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like a lot of these other dudes. Yeah, like because like, really like you say, like, like that's really my guy. So I try to connect with niggas more first. You know what I mean? And then we can talk about records. Mm. But if I can't, yeah, connect, right. I mean, it's gonna limit the records. Because basically, what basically what he's saying is that a lot of these guys are meeting each other while they're already in it. Whereas the opposite side of it is that they had met each other when they were on the outside of it. Like they met each other and became friends before they became anything else. So once you become friends with somebody, it's no longer really business. Yeah, it's not business anymore. And we 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 lost them. I think uh he was having some he was having some technical difficulties uh towards the end of it. So I think we may have just lost them. But I I mean, hey, glasses and Malone. You're welcome on our podcast anytime. You know, to me, the best part about that, Chris, was just him just giving us stories. You know what I'm saying? Talking about how he, you know, how he put together the the the, the song, you know, Pac Must Die. You know, talking about Nip, talking about just like coming up in a game and, you know, how he, you know, how he referenced um, gang culture and didn't even really think of it as gang culture and more, you know, more urban culture. So listening to, you know, pretty much an OG. Uh, you know, that and everything as far as, you know, all the West Coast artists that pretty yeah, much move up the family and... They all grew know, up together. Really yeah, how they all grew up together and how, you know, you know, even though he's older than, like, a lot of them, you know, he was able to put some of the people on that are, like, some of, like, K-Dot, like, one of the biggest stars. And like, he put them on songs, but nobody else would put them on songs. Now you look at K-Dot, and K-Dot's, like, one of the biggest stars in rap. So, you know... Um, I appreciate, you know, I know you're probably texting him right now. I pre tell him we appreciate him coming on. He's always welcome back. And, you know, you guys know where to find us, according to sources at gmail.com if you have questions. 
It's A2 Sources on Twitter, according to Sources on Facebook. Um, I don't know if uh, Glasses one Glasses Malone wanted to give out his uh, Twitter email or anything like that, and I'm not going to ask him to come back on. Yeah, so um, his Instagram is uh, Glasses Malone, and his um, his Twitter would be under the same at uh, G Malone on Twitter. Okay, he wanted to give it out. There it is. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, the last few times we've done podcasts, we've had, you know, we've had an, uh, a producer and an artist from Baltimore. We had a rapper and a, a screenwriter and a producer and an artist from another one from Baltimore. And now we had Glasses and Malone on. I hope you guys are enjoying these podcasts that we're trying to put out for you guys. Um, like I said, you know where to find us. So for Chris, Glasses Malone, I'm Dre. This has been the According to Sources podcast. And we're out. Peace. Love y'all. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. He got cut off. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, that good. Yeah, I appreciate tell him. Tell him I said, real, you know, I appreciate him, bro. Yeah, for real, man. That was really dope. Yeah, he was giving out. Um... Oh, no, there he is right there. He came back. I'm going to let him come back. Yo, I didn't know if you had dropped out. Yeah. Um, yeah. For some reason, I ain't put my damn phones on the charger, and I thought my laptop <laughs> wasn't on the charger. No, it's, it's nothing, man. I had already, I did our outro, and I was telling Chris to let you know, hey, I appreciate you, bro. Like That's all love, man. That's for all real, love. man. Like, listening to you tell stories about, you know, all of you guys coming up, like, I, like, I listen to all of y'all. Like, I listen to y'all coming up. As I was coming up, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a young man, I'm listening to y'all records, so I appreciate you coming on our podcast, bro. For real, yeah, for real man. That was really dope. I thought y'all was going to talk to me about sports and shit. I, you know, I wanted to. I was just texting somebody, like, man, I'm talking to Glasses Malone, bro. I wanted to ask him about sports, but I was like, man, fuck it. I just want to listen to him talk about, like, stories and about growing up and about music. I, like, I want to talk about sports. So, hey, if you want to come back on and talk about sports, hey, we will have you on and we can talk about sports, bro, for real, y'all. Like, yeah, you got to have me back. I'll make sure I... um. I'll make sure that I, um, when I drop the new joint, I'll make sure I get it your way. I'll, I'll text y'all my number, and when I drop the new joint, we'll do it again. Indeed, man. Shit, say less, man. Just let, me, let's let us know. Let Chris know, man. Hey, I'm glad you came on, man. Thank y'all for having me. Much love, brother. Love, peace. You know, I hope you guys appreciate it. Yeah, bro. This has been a production of the ETMF Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out etmfpodcast.com to find more information on all of the shows. This has been a production of the ETMF Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out etmfpodcast.com to find more information on all of the shows.